Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Feel God's presence. I know people take it for granted because that's all they've ever known. But what about those that don't know? So we're thankful. God is good, and I know that's an understatement, but what else do you say? I mean, he just does everything. He knows everything. He protects us. You know, last Thursday, I was ran into by a lady driver, so I don't have a lot of trust in lady drivers, but uh, she ran into me and You know, I'm pretty sore, and I'm sore still, but I feel better than last week after being prayed for and feeling God's presence. But I was able to walk away, because there are many people that don't walk away. And so I'm really thankful for God's protection. Um, He does care, and he does know how to get our attention. And I appreciate him today, and if you could turn to the book of Ephesians, The fourth chapter, I'd like to read verses one through six. This lesson today is not completely, entirely mine. Uh, A part of this lesson came to me by the way of a third party from another state. And so I've tried to just kind of build around it. And uh, I'd like to share that with you today. Ephesians four, one through six. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And the key words there are calling. If you would notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I just want to read verse 7, 8, and 9. 2 Timothy 1, 7, 8, and 9. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, if we wanted to title this, we could say God's calling or God is calling. And he is calling. And this morning in prayer, I heard what you said in your prayer as you walked over here. I think the words were, God, let there be a response today. And every service, we pray that there is a response. 
that people will answer the call because he is calling. And the time's coming when he's going to stop calling. And it's not up to us uh, to worry about the results. We're just to sow the seed. God will do the rest. And God is calling, but who is he calling? We need to know who the who is. And who is the who? The Bible says, whosoever will may come. And when I look at the word who, I see W standing for willingness, H for humble, and O for obedience. But sad to say, if we're going to be real and honest today, there are many that are willing and humble, but they're not obedient. And that's not the will of God because somebody's missing out. So God's looking for men to change the world. And I'm talking about a truth that will change a life. So important. The challenge of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. It's to preach the gospel to all creation. That's young and old, rich and poor, male and female. It goes and encompasses the world and includes everyone. And the love of God is generous enough to cover the entire world. After all, he created it. God is looking for men. He's looking for men. And he's looking for men that will bless his church and further his kingdom. And we can do that. So where are the men? We need to step up. Praise the Lord. It's been said that the church is the hope of the world. And if that's true, and I believe it, then the men are the hope of the world. How else are people going to know if we don't step up and answer the call? So God is still calling today. And are we going to answer that call? Are we going to continue to answer that call, praise the Lord? Because it's so important because there's somebody's eternity that's hanging in the balance. And I don't want people's blood on my hands. I don't want missed opportunities. I know I'm just a, one individual. But I have a big job to do if I'm going to be effective. I'm not worried about being successful. I've been successful in a small measure, but I'm not worried about success. I'm worried about how effective I am. And God's looking for men with humble hearts, men that are going to sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ and who will stand in a gap as servant leaders for their families and for God's church. Here's a key note. It all started by Jesus calling just a few men. And those fishermen, perhaps that's all that they knew. They didn't know anything else. But they knew how to catch fish. They knew how to cast their nets. They knew how to draw their nets. They, they knew how to clean the fish, prepare the fish. That was their trade. They knew how to take care of their nets so the salt water wouldn't destroy them. That was their trade. That's what they knew what to do. But Jesus wanted them to become fishers of men. So he was calling them. Now here's a statement that might rock you for just a second. But Jesus was not concerned with programs to reach multitudes. Let's think about that for a second. He was not concerned with programs to reach multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. He's calling. And there's people that you and I need to reach because I can't reach people that you can't. And vice versa, and it goes all around through this sanctuary. So 
The Lord's looking for a few good men today. Praise the Lord. And the church needs men. The church needs men. And if the, a man can be reached, then a family can be reached. And it'll start with one man. And a changed man will influence his marriage and a family. A changed family will influence a neighborhood and a community. A changed community can influence a state and a nation. And a changed nation will help change the world. And it all starts with a changed man. I want to be one of those men of God that can make a difference and help bring change to somebody's life. Praise God. Our purpose, is it the Lord's purpose? I see some people, not here, but I see some people that I know they get carried away with what their purpose is, what they're striving for. They're striving for a lot of the wrong things. And how do you present that to somebody without offending them, but yet you want to share truth with them? Think about this. Are we really living for eternity? Are we really living for eternity? And is our love sealed for eternity? That's important because you know he's coming. He's coming and the thing is, are we ready? I definitely want to be ready. I want my family to be ready. God is just so good. He knows what to do. He knows how to do things. And when I try to get a finished product, I make it a mess. I need just to step back and say, God, this is in your hands. You take care of it because you can do a much better job than I can. And that's what it's about, total surrender to the Lord. And glory be to his name, praise the Lord. You know, we got uh, Pastor Kylie here. Would you just stand right where you are? Brother Cordell, you're going to be stepping in the reins in a couple months. Would you just stand up? You don't have to do anything, just stand there. I want everybody to look at them. These are two great men. These are our leaders. This man has laid down a tremendous example for this church. And Brother Cordo, you have a great example in Pastor Kylie to follow after. Can I just tell you this? You got your work cut out for you. But God will use you like he has been. You may be seated. You know what a keynote to effective men's ministry is? Having a masculine pastor. You think about that. Having a masculine pastor. A man, in this case, when I say man, I'm referring to both of you. A man that thinks like a man, acts like a man, fulfilling God's calling to be God's man, and it shows in their teaching, in their walk, in their vision, in their prayer life. We can't be a Christian if we don't pray. And so these gentlemen fulfilling this role in these avenues, God would just build his church. These are the ones we need to follow and we need to pray for them and lift them up daily. And these men will influence this church more than any other, more than anything else, is the modeling of what God's called them to do. 
And they can get it done a lot easier if we just stay behind them and get with them and help them. Lift them up in prayer. It's so important. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Lord. I encourage pastors to preach sermons that call men to fully surrender to Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Men need to feel connected. The Bible says iron sharpening iron. Men need to feel connected so that they can develop. We are a prayer-covered church, and I know that. You know, we're in the seventh month of the new year. That doesn't sound right, does it? But it, it just time's going so fast. But in January, we were challenged with prayer and fasting. And you can see the difference in the services since then. It just seems more dramatic. It seems more powerful. It seems more presence of God sweeping through the sanctuary, touching people. And that's the result of prayer and fasting. And it's not a reason to stop. We need to keep on going. So let's let God build the church. Prayer invites God to build the church. Psalms 27.1 was touched on a couple of times last Sunday. About God builds the church and the men that build it can labor in vain. You know, but God builds the church and prayer invites him to build his church. And we can be a part of that church. We can continue to be a part of that church. And God is doing great things through your prayers and fasting. You know, if we don't pray, our spirituality diminishes and other things will come in. And we don't need that. We don't want that. That's why we can't be careful enough. But God's going to build his church because he's going to always have a people. You know, here's another question. I'm throwing a lot of questions out, but here's another one. Where are our prayers going? Are they targeting salvation, restoration, discipleship, deliverance, multiplication of men? Are our prayers targeted in those areas? We need to pray that That's a contagious and a continuous effort because God wants to use you to build his church. I say never give in, never give up, and stepping up means owning up. And we need to own up. And I know that without a doubt, I'm sure we we are doing everything that we can. And that's great. And we need to keep doing that. Don't stop. Whatever you're doing, don't stop. And we need to realize that when we pray for something and it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean that we should stop asking, quit believing. Just trust God. Put faith into action. Let it work for us. And if we don't have any faith, well, there's nothing going to be done. But God will answer when the time is right. He knows when to answer. And, you know, I always used to say, man, he came at the last second or the last minute. No, that's not true. He came at the right time. He came at the right time. Because his time and Ron Mitchell's time is not the same time. And it's better I go by his time. Praise God. So if we just allow God to answer and work and do what he does, because he deals with the impossible, that's his specialty. And so we just need to remain faithful so that the people that we live around can come to the truth. That's so important. 
And it's time that people lay down the old chains and pick up the new name. And we all know that name is Jesus. Uh, Acts 1.8, very familiar scripture. Um, I'm just going to read it for the sake of reading it. But I believe everybody here knows what that scripture says. We probably all could quote it. But it says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses upon me, unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Bible says that we would receive power. My question, my bombshell question for the morning is, where's the power gone? Where is the power gone? We are not just people of the name Jesus, but we're people of the word as well. And where has the power gone? Back on April 14th, I think it was Brother Cordell, up here in the morning prayer before service, he said some things like, we need to use the power that's put within us if we've received the Holy Ghost. We need to speak a word of faith so things can happen. We need to use that power that God put in us. And I can see service by service how we are using the power that God has put in us because there's answers to prayer. The services are fantastic. People come in, they can't deny what they're feeling, that they're feeling something, even if they don't know what it is. But they admit there's a force here. There's an energy here. And it draws them. And so... Uh, Brother Cordell start to talk about as well as if we would do that, things will begin to happen and we're seeing things happen. And so we're using that power that's within us because God gave us his spirit so that we could be a difference to people. So it's up to us what we do with that power. I want everyone to know there's a place for God's church with you. You have a place in God's church. There's no outsiders. He has a place for you. He has a place for everyone. And our mission is to bring glory to God. To bring glory to him. To live for him. Praise God. And what's going to be said about my life? Was I living for me? Was I living for money? Was I really living for God? Do I really put God first in everything that I do, or is that just religious talk? What about you? What's the legacy that you're leaving behind, physically? Are you helping people? Are you blessing them? Are you doing whatever you can? Now, granted, there's going to be people going to say, oh, there's no way she could ever afford to do that. That couldn't happen. But you know what? When God's your doctor and healer, and he's your security force and protector, and he's your banker, you don't have any idea what God can put in somebody's hands. And I remember back in the 70s, God did a miraculous thing for my wife and I. What he put in our hands, it's unbelievable. But we made a promise to God, and we've always kept that promise, and we're still keeping that promise, because the blessing of God is sure, and nobody can take it away. And the people that you affect, the people that every one of you affect, can't take away what you're doing because they know the truth, because they know you. They know you, and they know what you're doing. They know what you're about. More than a physical legacy that we lay down is the spiritual legacy. To me, that's the most important. 
moms and dads, brothers and sisters, grandchildren? What are we laying down for them to follow in? I have a big responsibility to my two grandsons to help mom and dad, not just leave it up to them, but my wife and I, it's our responsibility to help nurture them in the things of God, that they know God at a very young age and that they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost at a very young age because this world doesn't care who they destroy and he's coming so soon. And I know we hear that so much, but the truth of the fact of the matter is it is true, and it's that much closer today than it was everything behind us. Going forward, what are we going to do for Christ? Because that's the thing that's going to last. And that spiritual legacy that we lay down, there again is going to be some people rise up and say, I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. I don't live that way. Don't care to. And that's all right if they don't believe it. But they still know who you are. They know the life that you lived. They know what you did and what you didn't do. And it's a witness, it's a testimony that'll stand the test of time forever. So there is a place in God's church for everybody that's here. And all those that are out there that aren't here, they need to be here. And we need to work on it. And we need to ask God to help us to reach them. So am I really living for me or am I, or am I really living for the Lord? I don't want to live for the wrong reasons. And you know, really... For me, I don't have to understand God's purpose for me. I just need to be his man. And if I know God and I trust him, he'll bring things into view and he'll help me along the way. God is just so great. I'm, I'm just so amazed at how he works and how he does things. And to think that he could love someone like me. You want to hear something else? How could a woman love me for 46 years and stay with me? Wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. You know, because we all got our different ways and our own things, the way we do things. And I don't fold the towels and, 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 and the stuff the way she does. But I still do it. One time I told her, I said, if you don't stop complaining about how I fold the towels, I won't fold anymore. So I said, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to help you. And so God is so great. I appreciate him. And God's still calling, and he's calling every man to offer salvation and stability. Because this world is full of chaos and ruin, and it's going down the tubes. It's a great nation, but we've got problems from within. And we've got a big responsibility to the world, to those that are around us. Have you heard anything about National Sunday Law? I've read a little bit about it, don't know if it's true or not. I see that it could be, especially as we get closer to the end time. And what the National Sunday Law is, the church and the government uniting, suppressing religious freedom and liberty. That could very well take place. I don't know, but it's possible. The United States has not adopted anything like that yet, and I hope that they don't. But here's something to consider. A great honor and tribute is that we stand guard over the dead the tomb of the unknown soldier, for one. We stand guard, we honor. And we give honor to all those that have served in the military, no matter what branch, and have given their lives for this country, that we would enjoy the freedom and the liberties that we do. So I think it's great that we give honor and tribute, that we stand guard over the dead. But how about this? 
how much more is it important that we stand guard over the living? That's why it's important that we pray for ourselves, we pray for our families, we pray for our loved ones, we pray for our friends, our co-workers, those that are around us, our neighbors, and we lift them up continually in prayer because eventually it's going to make a difference. And so to give uh, honor to the dead, we need to much more importantly give honor to the living and stand guard over them. And we do that through our prayers. And much can be accomplished through prayer. You know, I, I have some qualified bow hunters here. Brother uh, Brown, would you come up here? I want to tell you what this arrow is not for. This arrow is not to stay protected and look nice in this quiver or any other case or whatever. That's not the reason for this arrow. It's not the reason for this arrow, just to look nice and be protected. But this is one of the qualified bow hunters that's here this morning. It's going to tell you what this arrow is designed to do. What is it designed to do? Well, first of all, they make, this, there's a broadhead on this arrow. And they make three different broadheads. One is a um, fixed broadhead, where basically the blades are all fixed. The, uh, another one is the interchangeable. You can actually take the blades and interchangeable. And then this one is a expandable. And it expands. And the design of this tip here is to, usually they use broad, this type of broadhead on big game. And it pierces the flesh and basically penetrates. And when, if it's expandable, they expand and they actually put a hole, a large hole, through the you know, uh, game that you're shooting for. So it's, um, that's pretty much it. And they make a zillion different types of heads. And, you know, you look at the broadhead and it's, it's like it's balanced for this arrow. You know, there's a, there's a balance going on. And so when it flies, it can fly a long distance because these are probably, um, they, when they leave the bow, they're probably going over 300 feet per second, you know, at least. And uh, they need the accuracy. Thank you. Brother Kiley, we're a lot like those arrows. What has God designed us to do? Well, I believe God has designed us to be hunters and fishermen. And our responsibility is to give people the same chance that somebody gave us. Somebody took a chance on you and I. They witnessed to us, they taught us, they invested their life in us, and we were, through them, given an opportunity, and it's our responsibility to give others the same opportunity. Thank you. You know, we're a lot like that arrow in our design. We're to hit the target. In some cases, we're to destroy targets, even pierce the darkness, take down strongholds. We're to fly straight, just like this arrow, that a hunter needs a straight arrow so that it will fly straight so it can hit its mark. We need to hit our mark. We need to do this. And God is confident by design. And we need to be bold in action. We're designed in a lot of similarities that an arrow has. We, we line up, we match up with those things. We do the same things that that arrow does 
physically that we can do spiritually. We can make a difference. We can take down strongholds. We can hit the target. If we miss, we try again. It's not that big a deal because there's enough targets out there to go after. People are lost everywhere. And so we need to go after them. In closing, Matthew 3.11. It says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and notice this, and with fire. Now I have another question. Are we afraid of the fire? Or do we want to become the fire? That's up to each individual to answer that. We're afraid of the fire? Or are we going to become the fire? So remember, the Lord is still calling. And the Bible says, whosoever will may come. God bless you this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.